you so, so much for taking the time today to, to join me on the podcast. Um, I've just, in the interest of full disclosure, you and I have never met in person, um, but I, these are kind of my favorite podcasts to do um, because I feel like I've known you since 2018 and way back in the early skiffle days with working with, with Bugsy, like your, your work yeah. is something I've studied for a long time without knowing it. Um, and in 2018, I was supposed to come down and work with Skiffle Bunch with Kendall, Mark and Odie, uh, for hello. And I got sick and wasn't able to come down. And, uh, they were like, yeah, Ben Jackson's drilling. And I was like, who's Ben Jackson. And then I heard the arrangement and the, in the, in the band that year and they got second place. And I was like, I got to meet this guy <laughs> because, you know, and then I learned more about your, your work with Bugsy and, and, and Junior and like just the his, the history that you've been a part of. And I, I really wanted to just talk to you and pick your brain. So, um, but before we get into that, the sort of stuff you've been doing recently, I kind of am curious to know about like baby Ben Jackson, like what, what in the God's name got you in? How did you get into this, 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 like, what was your family like growing up? What was your childhood like? And start anywhere you feel is appropriate. I'm inside the audio. Break it up a little bit. It has a lot of the audio a little. I don't know if you're hearing me still. Yes, I can hear you. Uh, baby Ben Jackson, maybe I'm a young fella. Um, no interest in, in music and of the sort. Um, grew up, didn't grow up with my parents, actually. I was raised by guardians. And it was a house of music. It was a house. Um, one of my bigger brothers is actually a DJ. So there's lots of records and stuff in the house. And from a very young age, one of my favorite songs was Beast Man by Shadow. Um, I would always reach for that album out of the music crate, and I would start the Sunday or the Saturday morning when we get opportunity to go on the, the set because, you know, once you're pouring the music, we are allowed to go on the set and play the music. We never take a runoff. I think at that point in time, maybe I wanted to be a DJ. But um, I think it's just the passion just to play music. So I always have, um, even now, I got love for the, the older stuff because that's where I grew up playing. Um, fast forward into the just a preteen. Um, I went, I, I live close to um, Laventon Song Specialist Paniard, now court Song Specialist of Laventon, very close to that Paniard. Uh, when the band started, it actually started, um, could be our yard and a neighbor or wherever. I remember my brothers and printing juices to the band and stuff and thing. They used to do their own thing, make their own screens and print juices and whatnot. The band was a pan around neck. It used to be in the center, not too far from me. Mm -hmm. And then they moved lower down the hill. Um, but the magic for me in this steel band started, I went to drop a message for a minister by the name of Richard Photo. You may know that name. Say it, say it um, one more time. Former second. Richard Photo. Okay. Um, that is the former secretary of Pantry and Bebo. Uh -huh. I went to drop a message for him in the Paniard. And while there, the band was practicing. So I stood up and was watching, you know, watching a tenor go through the pieces. So I was learning some piece of, a piece of music. And while look at us, you know, sat up and looking at him. And then when they stopped to take a break, I took up his sticks and I started to play. Mr. Photo observed that um, maybe I could play. And he stopped me from leaving the panier. 
and tell me, well, you, know, you could play for and go back and practice. And well, I, I negotiated my way out of the fan that night. <laughs> but I promised I return in the next night, which I did. Uh-huh. And that is where it started for me in the fan world. And you were how old, remind me? I was about 12 or 13 at that time. Okay, all right. And uh, you said you were raised by guardians. What, what did they do for a living? And you said your brother was a DJ, but like what else was going on in the house at the time? Um, well, the great Irene King, um, she was a housewife, um, the Mr. King, he was a sailor, mm-hmm. uh, he worked for Scott Shipping, traveled the, the world doing that, and was a, a set of, uh, you know, young people, this lady, Irene King, God rest her soul, she just had this thing for, to raising children and helping all people, so it was a group of us there. Um, I knew my parents, and I with my my parents every weekend. I would spend vacation with my my mom, mm-hmm. so my father, you know, they would always take care of me. So it's not like I was adopted or given away or, or anything like that. But you know, so my parents was close. The, the story about that was, I think my mom was going on a pilgrimage, and I was like six months old, mm-hmm. and she was taking me with her. And this lady, Irene King, saw her and said, "Nah, that's no place for a child to go," and took me. And say, so when you come back, come for him. And every time she would have to go, she would have to leave me with this, this lady and her kids to stay. Mm-hmm. And eventually, that became home for me. Yeah. And, and, the, uh, and this is in Laventille, is that correct? Yep, this is in Eastern Quarry, Laventille. So, um, you know, as a, when I was growing up, I mean, I grew up, I was, this is, I mean, uh, basically grew up in a cornfield in the middle of Ohio um, and very, you know, didn't have much access to, there wasn't the internet. I didn't know much about any other culture other than what I was a part of as a kid growing up, but there was a steel band in my life. I started playing steel band in 1994 when I was a freshman in high school and it was normal to me. And then I sort of meet the first person from Trinidad I ever met was Cliff Alexis. And he, the first thing he did was show me a scar, two scars on the back of his head from when he got beat by a, <laughs> a, a policeman, you know, and yeah, they lived that time. <laughs> and I'm curious for you, like growing up in Laventille, what I know or what I've heard of Laventille is it, the specific culture and vibe out of Laventille, you know, also called behind the bridge, uh, like is a very unique location in Trinidad. Can you just talk a little bit about like what it was like growing up there and what the sort of, um, what the, the, the culture around, like, what did steel band mean in that particular area, which might mean something different to somebody in San Fernando? Like, why, why Laventille? What, what was unique about Laventille? Um, well, we, I grew up basically out of the, the Bosset era. Well, or maybe I was young for the Bosset era. Um, so um, I, I was born in the 70s, 1971 to be exact. Mm-hmm. So um, I will only hear stories mm. about. Um, the Highlanders, Desperados, Tokyo. So I basically grew up in the middle of Tokyo Highlanders, mm-hmm. right? Highlanders actually used to be very close to where Song Specialist is now, where the Success Lab until Composite School is located, or mm-hmm. Secondary School now is located. Um, so some of those stories for us was, we just used to, you know, listen to these stories and, and, um, and laugh. You know, I can imagine people, um, Stephen drum, people drum to go and make pants and whatnot. Um, but we like growing up in Laventil was, was nice. It, it taught us a lot. It taught us contrary to public opinion. It taught us how to survive. Mm. 
Um, you know, people will always as want to associate the Lavantel community with crime and, and whatnot. Um, while that may be so, while there is crime, there is crime all over. Mm-hmm. But um, if you look at the, the, the multiple talents that come out of Lavantel in the, um, the steel band world, and not just, not just in, in steel band and culture, but, you know, contributing to society, um, Lavantel is rich, rich in culture and, 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 and heritage. And it's a very important part in, in the country. Mm-hmm. And if you watch all over the world, that people who leave from Lavantel and go out there and they are very successful in life, both in the academic field, um, you know, uh, people when it comes to trees and craft, kind of things that you will see growing up. And I, I just always make a joke and tell people Lavantel is one of the places that is responsible for people upgrading things that they do. Mm-hmm. Because when they do something in technology and feel it can't be broken, somebody finds a way to break it. Mm-hmm. And so from the phone companies, from the cable companies and whatnot, they had to keep upgrading because they, they are really smarter than the people from from this community because they always find a way to break, to do something, whether it's to develop something or whatever it is. So um, it was it was real nice for, for us. Um, like um, we talk about our young days. I think that we don't see now like everything had a season. Like all now we are youths. Sun hot outside, but we looking to fly kite. Mm-hmm. There's a season for that. Carnival time for us was the time to get banner. When um, people pop the banner advertising the product with the cloth, we get the cloth to make kite tail. Mm-hmm. And the banner, we tail on the banner to make kite tail. Um, you have the time to pitch your marbles. And you know, it's always a fun, it's always a fun time for us. So growing up in Lavantel for me wasn't that bad a challenge as the people who grew up maybe in the 50s and 60s or in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. But we just had fun. Well, it's, it's a place, uh, you know, just again, to be honest, it's a place I've actually never been to. I've been to a lot of places in Trinidad and spent most of my time down south in San Fernando, um, which has its own vibe, its own sort of a culture and, and way of operating in the politics down like there's in what and I think that's what makes it beautiful. But Laventille is a place I've never been. And just to be quite honest, because I've I'm just a, I've just, you know, it's it's something I feel like I need a chaperone, like somebody like somebody to take me there. And make sure, because there's, I have a massive amount of respect for an area that really protects itself. And that was maybe a mis, maybe a misinterpreting something about what I've been perceiving. But um, there's a there's a very unique approach to um, that community, and, and it's something I've always deeply respected. But my my bucket list thing is to go to Laventil and just sort of like be a part of that in some way, shape, or form. Well, next time you're in China, let me know. You see, um, like I just, I just, um, always say to people, Lavantel is the pride of Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that we live on the most expensive land in the country, right? So, okay, I am, I am sitting home in my gallery at this point in time, and I'm in Lavantel. Mm-hmm. If I just turn my camera like this, right? So, if I am, um, let me see. Oh, okay. Let me just put it like this. You see the view behind me? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, will you believe I am seeing way past the airport, um, the east of Trinidad from here? Yeah, yeah. And if I go out of my baggage, you will see way down south. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have we that's something you cannot pay for. That view is something you can't pay for. The the breeze, the fresh air. On top of the hills of Lavantel, 
um, relax in the cool, take in the breeze, and that's is something that um, you, you can't get in many places in Trinidad. Well, you can't get it in many places in the world, let alone Trinidad. And I, I, you know, I, 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 looking out of my back door when I was a kid, I saw corn. You know, like there was, you know, I grew up in Ohio. So um, I'm curious, um, you know, you're the first band I ever played with was phase two. And the more I learn and then and then the first band in Trinidad I, I was asked to drill um, was Skiffle. And the more I sort of started piecing together pieces of history and like learning about Bugsy and um, hmm. and Junia and the sort of experimental approach I think that Junia has had to, to building that band over time since I think 1976, if I'm not mistaken, um, give or take a year there. I can't remember exactly. Um, when was the first time for you that you sort of got involved in the, um, and I know you're we only have like an hour here, so I don't, I, I'm only going to scratch the surface here in terms of your experience, but like as a driller working with, um, there's that breeze. The audio, that's good. Sorry, there you go. Okay, cool. Um, when, when did you first cross paths with Bugsy and start to think about music as something that you had a hand in shaping as a driller? But um, this that started um, early in, in my playing days. I was introduced to um, Mr. Sean Lewis, who was a music teacher at Success Laventel. Okay. That school had just opened its door. Um, in school had opened in 1983. So around between 83, 84, um, song specialist executive invited the school to bring the, um, the students across to the Paniard to learn to play pan so that the school could have a steel band. Um, a group of us, um, uh, Tony Pan, John B. Williams, and myself, two, two of us mainly, um, was asked to be a part of the group. And I started to play Pan with Success. So my first junior festival experience was with Success, my first junior Pan with Success. Um, so be, and being a part of Success, uh, Mr. Lewis will always encourage us to do, to do different things. So we met different, different arrangers. He will bring in different people to work with us. Um, met different people in the pan world. I was the one that was basically responsible for running the band rehearsal um, in Mr. Lewis' absence and whatnot. At that point in time, for me, it was just running a rehearsal. Well, right, how did, how go, did you get tasked go. with that? Was there something specific? Like, how did you get tasked with that? Was it just sort of like, ah, Ben, run this? Or did you have some sort of um, desire to do that? Well, um, maybe... Well, he just said, maybe I realized, um, I had played before. I was just started to play. But, um, you know, but it, he, he encouraged us to do, to do what, and he will challenge it, right, to do stuff. But at that point, I, I just like to play. Um, the instrument, I'll play to run the practice. Even at, at Song Specialist, we started to run the rehearsal when we reached. The first people at the rehearsal, we just start the rehearsal. So it always be the younger people, to be at the panel at first. So we just start the rehearsal until the bigger group comes in. So we always had the opportunity to run rehearsal, even if it's a call a song and, and correct parts in the song as we go along, because we're now learning the music also. Um, fast forward to, to being a part of Success, we toured Canada, Success toured Canada in 1988, 1991. I made my first trip in 1991. And that is where my eyes opened towards happening in the pan world. I felt that Toronto was way ahead of us as far as panning schools 
were concerned was concerned um as always used we had success we used to have one room classroom during the day for for music classes and then even we moved the chair and set up the pants when i visited toronto they have a room just for pants mm. big room then they have the room for music to happen and then i was more caught with the people that they were playing and they were reading whatever's um you know scores to write the notes and whatever it is they were doing that and i was almost embarrassed because i was asked to play a song with one of the bands in the room i revisited and i didn't want to because i they had music they had music sheets in front of them mm-hmm. and i could not have read music mm. however they call get something and wave so it was easy for me to go and play with them um this um, for them it was inspiring to play with somebody who visiting from trinidad and whatnot but for me it was almost embarrassing so on my return to trinidad i started to get into that I teach myself a lot of different things. And then with the help of myself, I was able to do grade three, grade four, grade five music. And even with doing that, I started to develop things in ways to teach myself music theory and even to teach music theory easier using the steel band. Mm. Um, it helped. I started to play with Carib Tokyo in 1989, working with the great Dr. Ray Holman. Mm-hmm. And the kind of person that I am, I always like to observe what the personal top is doing. So I will always sit while Ray is putting down music, maybe other section and rest, and I will always sit or stand by my by the pan and listen to what he is doing. And if you know Ray Holman, the way how he, he has put on music and drill is very, very <laughs> he's to the point mm-hmm. as a as a fine teeth comb. So I studied that for years. And I went with him at Hummingbirds also, mm-hmm. Steel Band Paradise and Pan. Mm-hmm. And I started to, to understand more what he was doing. And that is how I started to drill even well with success first. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got my first opportunity uh, a drill song specialist. Um, I was the first musical director and conductor for Pan Eye Festival mm-hmm. in 1994. And so from there it started it started to develop. Um so I, I worked with a number of one before I reached a skiffle bunch. But when I got that call in two thousand from, from Junior Regrello, um on recommendation from the late great Dr. Pat Bishop. Mm-hmm. Um because just to go back, when I um had Panice in nineteen ninety-four, this is this is the nice thing about when people do believe in the things that you, you, you could do or you will do, they will always want to bring somebody to oversee. And I was asked by the late Owen Serret if, um, if I have a problem with Pat Bishop coming to hear what I was doing. And I always wanted to meet the great Dr. Pat Bishop. And I said, of course. And when she came, her whole approach was she was impressed with what she was seeing. With, with me and my group of players, you know, I, I also taught my players how to read music. And she asked me then if I would like to use my group to accompany her choir for a Christmas concert. And I said, well, yeah, I can't tell the great Pat Bishop, no. <laughs> and that was the birth of a, a orchestra by the name of the Lady on Steel. Um, so I started to work with Pat from then where we did a number of operas 
um, accompanying the Lydian singers. And, you know, working with Pat was, was real, was, was great for me with my career and to me to understand a little more about music. So when the recommendation came in 2000, when Boogsy was going to do the song for Skiffle, um, Pat said to them, the only person she feel could put this together the right way and bring life, bring the life out of it is Ben Jackson. And Mr. Rigolo reached out to me and I immediately accepted the challenge. Mm. And that is how I started to work with the great Dr. Booksy Shop. And was this for In the Rainforest or Ocean Rhapsody? With that, was, that was In the Rainforest. Okay, all right. Um, I, I, I want to go back to something you said, because the podcast I, I do is called Concert Honesty. Um, and it's I started it years ago, six, seven years ago, because I was tired of people pretending like they didn't have insecurities. And I was tired of pretending like, you know, my that I didn't have insecurities. Like, I felt like I had to put up this front to my students or, you know, whatever. And I'm on a concert yeah. stage playing and I felt like I couldn't show the truth all the time. And you said that, like, you know, when your first time in Toronto, you were embarrassed that, you know, like you couldn't read music or something. I have yeah. I, I had and still have that same feeling of embarrassment when I go down, like the last couple of years that I've gone down to drill skiffle bunch. I have the score in front of me and I can read, I can sight read a panorama, but can I get it by ear that quickly? No. And I feel embarrassed. And it's like, a, I, I'm like constantly trying to hide that fact, you know? Um, but it's, it's just, it's interesting to me to hear you, to hear you express that as sort of like your first instinct coming from the country in which the instrument was invented, you know, like, like the idea that you would have any source of embarrassment there is, is amazing to me. Yeah, well, um, I think that that opened my eye. And if if that had happened to me, maybe I would never t- um, taken music, even drilling and thing um, this serious because you take nothing for granted. Even one one of the challenge or one of the inspiration is even people like um, you guys who will come to play with to play with um, the bands in Trinidad and to learn from us. And you all have so much so much uh, um, to, to teach us also because one of the things that we um we fail to realize, not because the instrument that was invented here, it means that we will always be the, the greatest at it. Um, this thing is studied all over the world, and it's a percussive instrument. And some of the master in percussion playing comes from where, right? Mm-hmm. So because of the nature of the instrument, all you guys need to know is the nose position, but you're playing technique and, and what is the same. And this is something that um, we spend a lot teaching. Mm. Um, it, it's not done enough um, all over. Uh, we, spend, we spend a lot doing it. So I could see where where you might say that um, you come here to drill and because you're in the land, land of it you might have. But yeah, nothing to worry about because the, the things that you guys will bring to the table... It's um, it's amazing. But if if I go back to that same two thousand festival, mm-hmm. the test piece at that festival was very complicated, very very complicated, and to execute that test piece the correct way, you had to be re- sight reading it. From the first time I look at that score, I say no, and it was written by a Trinidadian, but it was very complicated, very complex, and yeah, it, it, the the dynamics and the changes was so it was hard to explain mm-hmm. it, it, it you can't you can't if you were somebody a, a poet 
I can sit down and tell a poet what to say. I have to, give the, I have to write the poem and get the poem. They read it and let them understand. They will do it. That was a perfect poet. And when the festival was started, I said to the Skiffle Bunch that one of the foreign bands is going to win test piece. And they say, well, how you can see that? And I say, because those foreign bands, if not all, 90% of the players reading. And that is where it's going to have them. And so said, so done. The band that won best test piece, all the players had a score in front of them playing on stage in the gene player complex. Mm. And they won best test piece. So that just goes to show. It goes hand in hand. I reading the score and trying to pass it on to the players and get it was very difficult. That piece mm. was very difficult to do. A, a couple of weeks ago we were talking, I and Amrit and them were talking about that piece. Right? Um so you are you all have a lot to give. I work with um with Josh and those guys this year. And it was just, you know, real cool, you know, to watch the way how they come and they take the instrument and the, the, the dedication to watch practice. They you all have a lot to, to contribute. Well, I, um, you know, the, you mentioned, uh, Dr. Pat Bishop and she's somebody who, when I'm talking about, um, figures in the pan world who just are a gravitational force in the, in just in the, in the scene, but also just in the world, um, in the impact that they've had, there's many that come to mind, but then when you start to drill down on the number of women that were involved in steel pan at the time that Dr. Pat Bishop was doing what she was doing was actually fairly small. She was an outlier in a really beautiful way. And I'm curious, can you just tell me, sorry, yeah. can you just tell me a little bit about like, what was it like to work with her? I never got, I never got a chance to, to meet her and it just, it feels like I missed an opportunity, you know? <laughs> the doc, uh, I mean, Pat Bishop described um, meeting people as his son that she never had. And I think the first time she said that, um, it really touched me in a special way. And also put a lot of responsibility on me to, you know, um, the son that she never had, you know, what I mean. And it's, it's, you know, but Pat's interest was music. Pat's interest was music, bottom line. Pat's interest was um, the way we do it, um, the way how we do it to get it right. Uh, she was one who was pushing for, especially the way how we do music at the Panyard, um, come in and say, play G for four, play G for this phrase, um, and, and challenging what we do in the steel pan, um, more than just panorama mm-hmm. or just competition. And the first time we did an opera with Pat, she basically fed it to us. I remember we had, she had a dinner, Christmas dinner, and the menu, everything on the menu was named after this opera that Pat was going to do, an opera called Kowanga. And so I always say she fed the opera to us. You eat it Palmyra chicken by, you know, different characters in the opera. She named everything on the menu after these people in the opera. And the challenge was to get a steel band to accompany a full-length opera with dancers, brass, keyboard, you name it. And we did it not once, not twice, not three times. You know, every year is an opera or a full-length requiem. And she will always support us. She she said to me, um, 
don't focus on 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 drilling one band, you know, and getting one band to sound good for the panorama, you know. If all the bands call you to come and work with them for a night, that is your calling. You need to go and get it done. Mm. The, the, try to get all the band to play properly. That is the only way the instrument will be recognized. Because we have a lot of noise, especially back in in in, in that in that a certain era, a lot of bands just decided to come and play the music, you know, rather than work on clean it. So you could have separated the clean bands, right? There was one superly clean band that used to play in Panorama. The others used to be all right. The playing, the playing good music and stuff. And she, and that was always her focus for us to pass on what we know. Um, we could learn from the youngest person. The child could lead. Um, don't ever put the child and, and think that the child cannot teach. She challenged every living thing that we had to do. Pat never sleep. Pat never sleep. That is, that is the next thing. We'll go by party have a meeting. She, will, she might be on the bed lying down. And she'll have a meeting. She'll be on the bed and you there and she will. There's music. All over the place is music. Sorry, Ben. I'm having a hard time hearing you with the wind. Is there a... Sorry, sorry. Okay. I des- let me just change. Let me just change location. I desperately want to hear your voice. I can hear wind anytime. There we go. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> let me just change location. I'm under construction, so... Oh, no, no worries. No worries. I already got the good let view, me- so we can we can see the inside. <laughs> we can see the belly of the beast now. If the- let, me, let me just change location. Oh. Put you on. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Oh. Uh, hope you didn't shake up. No, no, no. Yeah. We're good, we're good. Right. So I'm good here, all right? Yes, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, and she's, her challenge, the things that she challenged us to do, I mean, from, from everything, where you, you think playing technique is all, the, the sticks that we play the instrument with, um, at what point in time? Because one of the challenges that, you know, we have with, with the pants, these high, these small high notes, these smaller notes on the tenor pan and the second pan. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, even when you talk about the second pan, the sticks are not proper for even these high notes on the second pan. When they reach inside our pan with our second pan sticks, mm-hmm. because it's practically notes on the tenor pan. Right, right. You, you don't hear it. So then the piece that you're going to do, where is it more dominated? So then which stick you should use? Mm-hmm. And all these different things that we will sit down by part, the different classical music that we choose to play, um, how we play it, how is, how is it presented. And that is, you know, it was so nice working with her because for years, um, you know, looking at her with Desperados winning festival and keep winning test piece especially, you try to get into that to figure it out. And she will always tell you sometimes the way it is written and the instrument they have, because Desperados is a band that do have three pan and four pan, mm. as you know, t- uh, most of the convention orchestra, all the other convention orchestra, they don't have four pan, they are three pans. Mm-hmm. You know, four pan is more the luxury instrument, but Desperados do have three pans and four pan. Mm-hmm. They have guitars, right? And you see that's why in a festival, it's, it's guitars is the middles, 
mm-hmm. and you know the front line panorama they have the six pan and whatnot that they will use so um she was just she loved perfection she loved challenges and she loved she always thinks outside the box she always thinks outside the box and her, her whole vision for what is the instrument should be doing outside of panorama panorama is here to stay Outside of Panama, the police, the steel band are more world class. You have to do more things together with the or different orchestra, with the different choirs, the different other instruments, and mix the instrument to get different things to happen. You know, one of the things that I show my students uh, when I, you know, if they've never heard of steel pan before, they've never, or they've heard of it, but they've never sort of seen it in a in the context in which it started, or they've just never participated in a in a in a steel band at all. Um, is I send them um, Pan and A minor with Renegades. I send them Pan Am North Stars. I send them the uh, Bartered Bride arrangement um, from the Steel Pan Festival or the World World Festival with with Doctor Bishop conducting and Robbie Granich playing there in the in the seconds line. Like, um, and to me, and then I send them Pan Rising with the Samaru Jets. And it's sort of like to <laughs> me. I mean, there's millions of other things I could send to them, but like to me, that's like a massive cross section of like, you know, steel band can be four, five people and it can absolutely win. (laughs) You know, it can also be 140 players and do, and do something completely unique that a five player band can't do. Both are valuable and both are equal in my, in my eyes. And I'm curious from your standpoint over time, I feel like, um, the world, I mean, the world steel band, the world festivals don't happen anymore in that in the way that it used to, there's little one-off events here and there, but I'm curious from your standpoint, like for me, I, if I had a billion dollars, I would bring back the world festival in a heartbeat. I would keep panorama obviously, but like putting, putting pan in, in this other context of like completely unique pieces written for it. Um, things like that. Like that's a, that's a thing that I feel like is sort of missing right now. Um, and I'm curious from your standpoint, am I misdiagnosing anything there? You see, that is why I explain that you all have so much to contribute. With all the festival, there's a great loss in the steel band world. Mm. Um, the people who know, know. Uh, Duvon Stewart. Where did Duvon Stewart came from? Duvon Stewart came out. Duvon Stewart is a product of the Junior Steel Band Festival. Mm. Into the festival, Trintock, um, Tobago, all stars. Aden Herbert is a product of the festival. Liam Teague mm-hmm. is a product of the festival. Darren Shepard. Should I go on? <laughs> I'm uh, learning, so you can talk as long as you like. <laughs> these, the festival, and if conversation in Pania, I don't know, um, Jesse was saying to me the other day, he wanted to, you know, to have a discussion with us. Well, I know you know who is Jesse. Uh, what's his last name? I, I think that the guy... I can't remember his name, but he, that, who commented on the arm post and he, he said it, he didn't come and talk. He played Supernovas. From C, 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 U, C, U percussion. Uh, yes. I'm uh, sorry. I'm totally blanking, but yes, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, he played with us. Okay. Again, a visitor from the U.S. And he was very amazed when we sat down after practice and talking about how it used to be back in the, back in the days. Um, we will say to players now, if you never play in a steel band festival, yeah, you're in really start to play this instrument as yet. Mm. 
playing in the panorama is nice. It's it's what every is the um is the heartbeat that we call it here. Because mm-hmm. our culture is carnival, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's, it belongs to Pan, Calypso, Soka, mm-hmm. Chutney, wherever. But the festival is where it is. Um, and I think, like, even with my drilling, it comes from that um, playing in the festival and working, working for the festival, conducting band. Classical music, especially, when you are to play a, a classical piece that's already written, you can't substitute. They had to get what is on the score. You can't substitute it because, all right, I ain't like this part. Let me move this run and change it. Mm-hmm. That's a panorama. The discipline that it takes for a festival is way more mm-hmm. for a panorama. You, you, there are bands that play classical music. You, you, you will hear how they play at, at, at panorama time, and you will understand. I don't want to say, but I have to say it. The number one classical playing band in China and Tobago um, thing was All Stars. Mm. Why do you say I, that? Why um, do you say that? Not that I disagree with you. I just am curious why you say that. See, the best at it. They, they, they are very consistent at it. Their classical jewel concert is a testimony of it. Mm. Um, they, and you know, some people might hear this and challenge and say, but um, Casablanca with the 18th century, what you're not talking about a band that played a classical piece. Mm-hmm. I am talking about a band consistently. Where now that classical jewel has even returned, right? Because you know about classical jewel from the 80s and 90s, and then it has stopped for a while and it's returned. It has returned. And I don't think. Um, any steel band, maybe besides the Lady and Steel, and not even the Lady and Steel classical repertoire is or was as big as All Stars classical repertoire, mm. right? And the way they played, Uncle Jerry Jamat wasn't no joke, right? And then it passed on to Mr. Velafana and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And now Dr. Mia Gorman, the, um, that is that 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 is theirs classical playing. Is there, um, yeah, and we, we have other steel bands who play good classical when it comes to the festival and whatnot. But for me, also is the pinnacle of classical um, steel band in Trinidad and Tobago. Well, it's, um, I, I I appreciated you saying that your drilling, like your your influence as a driller, was specifically or was mo- due in large part to your experience in the in the world festivals, not necessarily coming out of your only your time in Panorama. And mm-hmm. for myself, as you know, when I'm, I will say the first band I ever drilled was Crossfire in Brooklyn. Um, and at the time it was maybe 50 players and it kind of grew to like at, at its most around 90 players. Um, at that time, the only approach I had was a classical approach. Cause I came from, I went to my undergrad at the university of Akron, went to Yale for my grad work, played in orchestras, percussion chamber music, West, mostly Western classical traditions, but I always had steel band as sort of like the science project that was growing in the fridge that, that I always tended to when no one was looking, you know, I graduated mm. school and then I, I get to ask to drill this band. I'm like, well, I don't, I guess I'll just approach it the way I approach the group I play in. So percussion, we're a chamber music group. Like, are you breathing together? Um, do you know what's happening? Do the basses know what the double tenors are playing? You know, and asking those questions, looking at the score and being like, I, I can hear that this line isn't coming through. How do I clear those weeds out of the way so that this line that I'm not hearing coming through can come through? 
that skill set wasn't any different. But then the more I drilled bands, I drilled Casm for a few years. Then I drilled uh, BSO for the ICP, and then Skiffle for a couple of years. And I'm like, that skill set's there, but there's something else that you tap into as a driller. And I heard it in 2018 <laughs> with with Hello that I, if I'm just calling balls and strikes, is the thing I think I'll never have. And I, I just need to be okay with it. It's like, again, I grew up in a cornfield. There's certain aspects to Trinidadian life and the way that everyone talks to each other, the currency that is exchanged with you all whenever you're having a good day versus a bad day. Somebody's late to rehearsal. Someone's drinking at rehearsal. Like the way all of that is dealt with in that sort of ecosystem is something that I'm lacking and I'm learning more and more every time I go down and I'm, and I heard it. I specifically heard a sound with Skiffle Bunch in 2018 that I could not get prior to that. And I was racking my brain every day to be like, how the hell do I get this band to sound clean and big? Because it has a very unique sound to any other band in Trinidad. And I heard it in 2018. I was like, Ben Jackson, damn it, I got to talk to that guy because he he knows the answer. And and Mark Brooks Brooks told, sorry, Mark Brooks told me, he's like, we call Ben Jackson the truth. And I was like, so do I, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, can, can you tell me, like, like talk to me like I'm too, like, what what maybe am I missing? And and I'm okay. I, I, I genuinely want to know. Like, this is something that I, I've been guessing at for a long time. Maybe Hello is one of these guys' better arrangement. <laughs> I don't want to pin it on them. Um, I'm not going to blame my lack of success on those guys. Like, I, you know. Uh, you know, um, working with um, those three guys was 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 nice. Um, I guess you work with them also. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing is, um, once the arrangers had the trust in, in you as a driller, mm-hmm. that should make your work even that easier. Mm-hmm. And you hit everything on its head just now. Now, try and don't use the score. Don't ask for the score, the driller panorama arrangement. Don't even don't listen to it. Here, when I reach in the panel. This is something I, I started to do. Mm-hmm. I want to hear it when I reach in the panel. So picture like you produce a song, but who mastered the song for you? Mm-hmm. You send it to somebody else to master it. Mm-hmm. To have fresh air. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I reach, they will play. The trick is now, and anybody will tell you, the first thing I will ask is for the band to play very slow mm-hmm. and very soft. And at that point in time now, everything will be equal mm-hmm. because everybody playing slow and everybody's playing soft. When everything is equal, it is easy to see the glitters. To see the glitters. And once you see the glitters, then now you will understand that I don't want this as glitter. I want it to shine. I want this part to shine. So then now you're going to the belly. I like what I hear from the cellos here. Mm-hmm. But um, and they, they, they had this thing now, like, they understand. Because, you know, it's three of them. So, it's had three different arrangements, so they have three different parts. So, if I say, hey, Odie, what's going on here? He goes, just now, Mark. Then it, so, they will know who to call. Mm-hmm. And then we will discuss. It's a little too much happening here, because you see this part now, I know when you was doing it, you were expecting to have this amount of seconds. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that amount of seconds. So is it that we want to keep this? And let we, if we keep in this, let we get rid of this so we could put this here mm-hmm. to help this shine some more. You know? 
So because when our ranger come to work and he come to work with the 120, he might be expecting that I have 18 second fans. So he any mind he has music for his 18 second fan. But when he reach only at 10, he missed it eight. Mm-hmm. Then he have too much cellos, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which he didn't want. And, you know, so with that now, we had to do it. I said, push in. You had to push in a little different. So you start from there. So you're mastering the song now, the band playing. So of day two as the arranger or the arranger, I work with Duvon in Renegades in 2016 and 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why he thinks he was amazed of when the band played soft and he was able to hear mm. the things that the band is playing. So uh, again, your approach is the correct approach because you want to know what parts to bring out. However, if the band keep playing at 100, 120 mm-hmm. with, at a very loud volume, you just will hear the finished product and the finished product could be raggy. But once you take it down, you'll be able to understand, okay, these waiters, and I like this piece here, and explain to the players, because you see, something in the pan world in, in a lot of bands, musicianship is missing a lot. Mm. When it's Panama, everybody wants to be heard and seen. Mm-hmm. So, who played in front? That is one of the problems. Yes. Who had to play in the front? Mm-hmm. Who I, I want to hear me. You know, them when they do things like this, you go hear a tenor man saying, but I play next to them cello and I never hear that part yet. You know why he never hear that part? Because he was focusing on the part he was playing the most. Well, and, and again, this... Uh-huh. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry, finish your thought. Finish your thought. And this come from me sitting down and listening to when they arrange arranging the parts. So I will know all the parts that the arranger put on. But when the band is playing together, I am not hearing all the parts mm. that the arranger put on. If you're eating bread and peanut butter, you have to taste bread and peanut butter, not peanut butter alone. <laughs> or not just bread, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> everything you're saying is like, there's little parts of my brain that are lighting up. Like the politics around where people play in the band, where you stand, um, who's who's in the back of the rack, who's in the front of the rack. Who shows up the night before finals and learns the song and plays in the front line while the person who's been there every day since January 3rd and somehow gets stuck in the back of the rack? Like, I've never quite understood. I mean, I get it, but it's always seemed kind of fraught to me. So as a driller, like my, for instance, like working with Skiffle Bunch this year, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, I'm so fortunate to have even been a part of anything that only 12 other bands in the world got to be a part of on finals night, you know, so like... That is a true thing. I stand behind that. But the frustrating thing for me was I was drilling stuff throughout the week. I And I, oh, frankly, only come in at the end of the process this year. Like, I wasn't there from the beginning of January. So I was afraid to just run things slowly for a long time because at that point, everybody had already done semis and prelims and all this stuff. And they wanted, like, culturally wanted to just jam. And so I, I fed that a little bit. But I got things sounding the way I in my head represented the score best for Mark and Ken Alinotti. And there was a guy, uh, this, the guy playing, this guy playing tenor named Nigel, and he had played with all stars for like 17 years or something, had an amazing sound, really mature sound was just like laser focused and was dedicated at every rehearsal right in the front line. Come finals, we roll up on stage and he is in the back of the rack. Now, everything I had worked on and drilled with him 
where he was is now gone. And there's four other people in his place that I've never met <laughs> that, that just showed up on the drag or something. And I was like, oh, no. And how do I get? But I didn't feel like I was my place in that very moment for whatever insecurities I have to be like, I'm sorry, Nigel, you have got to be in the front. Like, and that I think is a weakness of mine as a driller. And and I think you're, what you're saying, drilling is equaling sort of like is akin to mastering. Like that is, that's really eye opening to me because in the group I'm in, we record enough records where you do, you know, I know what a mastering, I know what a mastering engineer does, you know, and they don't have a ton of dials, but they're listening to something fresh and being like, you told me this, you told me you wanted this. And so I need to turn this dial a little bit because I'm not hearing what you told me you wanted to hear. And that approach, I think, um, if I had another shot with Skiffle Bunch or any band, like I would just, for the first six days of that finals week, we are never playing it at tempo. We are just, it is going to rage at quarter note equals 50. And if you can't convince me that this is the tempo it should be played at, we are not speeding it up. You know, like I remember hearing phase two for the very first time when I got to Trinidad and I was, and they ran through the panorama and, um, it took like 13 minutes and I was like, this is amazing. This is the best finished product I've ever heard. And then they played it at tempo and it took eight minutes. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, wait, that wasn't the tempo. Like, and that was the first time as a student where I was like, oh, playing things slow. It's just fast, but slow. Like you have to be able to play every note the same way you do fast as you do slow. And that, that was a revelation to me as a student. And now that I'm 43 standing in front of bands, it's like, yeah, I need to go back to square one and, and really start with those fundamentals. Yeah. I mean, something I said just now that is um, very important. A lot of bands, um, band management do, don't understand. And even players, the driller, it is difficult for a driller to get his work done with 90% of the band. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? The driller needs the band. The arranger could work with 20% of the band. That's a good point. Because when the arranger put on the music, the 20% of the band will share the music on to the rest of the band, they will get it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when it's time for the driller to work, the driller needs the band that is playing. So if you had to work with a band, uh, <coughs> excuse, and for six days, players miss rehearsal and show up on the night before mm -hmm. or on the night. That is a no-no. Yeah. That's definitely a no-no. And um, yeah, the week, don't be afraid. Yeah, we went through prelims and semifinals. I remember we keep making changes to the music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we had to go by the same paces again. Nobody played the same song from preliminary to finals, they will have somebody pass that the same, but something is always added. Something is always substituted in the middle. They have to work on that. They have to work in, in the middle of the verse, a question. No matter end up in the middle of the verse. Mm -hmm. They have to work on that. That all, that was played before, you know. But it, it was not played with the crescendo. It wasn't played with the basses playing less notes. So you, you always have music to drill. Well, one, um, one of the things you mentioned, sorry to, sorry to interrupt, one of the things you mentioned about like suggesting changes to the music, and I, I'm curious if you can speak to like <coughs> your approach to building trust with an arranger, everybody from Bugsy to Amrit Samaru. Like, um, for me, this year was the first time when I looked, I've always made suggestions and just been like, hey, this could work better maybe, but I trust your gut. 
this year there was a chunk of Skiffle's tune arrangement that seemed really <coughs> out of place and just didn't make sense and didn't go anywhere. And I and, it, and I realized who it was Odie's chunk. There was a little chunk that Odie had put in as kind of as a placeholder, and the band wasn't playing it well, and it didn't sound cool. And I just looked at Odie as like, man. I, I hope you trust me enough to hear what I'm about to say. You have to rewrite this. And now we got last place, so maybe that was the wrong call. But I, in that moment, Odie trusted me, and I and he rewrote it. And it, to me, to my ears, it sounded better in context. But man, I've known Odie now for a long enough time that it took me years to be able to have the guts to be like, bro, no, I know you're better than this, you know. And I'm I'm curious from your standpoint, how have you addressed that issue? Well. It is a Rangers and band. It's a Rangers and band. So, um, with Odie, with Odie and there, it's a Rangers and band because they have to satisfy the band, mm-hmm. right? Um, my thing with with Rangers, the uh, I work with with Ray Holman. Um, in my whole drilling career, one of the best calls I've ever gotten. Was in 2006 to drill Starliff mm-hmm. with Ray Holman. Um, the person that I looked up to in, in you know, uh, was able to call me to, um, to work with him. I work with Robert Greenwich, mm-hmm. right? Um, Boogsy, of course, Carrie Quadrington, Sion Gomez, a number of years, Duvon. Um, I did with I was born in two thousand with Panites and Renegades two thousand sixteen and seventeen. And now Amrit Samaru. That's my second year working with Amrit. Mm-hmm. Um you see once I could explain why it is I feel something different because you are the arranger and you are the final say. We discuss. Then um I show you through my work. Two and the band playing. Um, I think some of them, them arranged a lot of trust in me. Some of them have asked myself why. Um, but the respect that they have for me and respect I have for them, we we really try to get it done, not just from even even a player could make a suggestion mm-hmm. to us. And we will listen and we explain to the players, we can't take everybody's suggestion. Just like how Amrit and all the have to take my suggestion. And Amrit will tell me that, um, you know, I want to try this. I may not like it, but I have to put my best into it. Mm-hmm. And prove to after I put my best into him, let he decide. I might say, I'm feeling this still, you know. And then he will say, cool, and whatever thing. And whatever well, you will go with it. Because he knew what he wants. Like one of the daring things Amrit asked me to do, a lot of people feel it was my idea in Supernova this year was the diminuendo. The um we had two diminuendos in the middle of a, a second pan solo and people say, Hey, all your mad. It was very risky. Mm-hmm. When he said we go and do it, and I, I jump up UP, we go in for it, and it was one of the hardest things to get the band to do. Mm-hmm. It was the hardest thing because everybody accustomed playing crescendo at that speed. Mm-hmm. But it does come down. 
and we enjoyed it. Yes, we came tenth, but it still stood out. It still stood out. I I never think a band ever just at, at at Panorama, but the trust with the arranger. Um, we talk a lot. We sat down. We 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 will, we will talk a lot about waiters, about the song song selection and waiters. This year, the approach was different. I told Amrit especially this year, don't think about the song. Don't think about the music. Just come and put it down. I give him a, a time in which I want to finish his song. In. Now, who is me to tell arranger finish his song in 10 days? But we were trying to get something new. Don't think about music. Just put it down. Come to, and I think that's why the first song I'm with did in a while that he do he do have a score for fully because he put down a lot of the parts by coming to the panel and, and putting it down in the panel. Mm-hmm. Right? And then when I come in, when I reach into the panel now, everything was fresh to my ears. Mm-hmm. A way it is. Okay, there's it. This is what we're working with. And I started to clean up that. And while we clean it up now, then we find a spot where we could make improvement to what we could do different here. Because he already heard it. So while me drilling it now, he's sitting back and, and listening to what happened, ideas will come mm. and changes will be made. Um yes, but it's how much you arrange trust you, how much you trust you and, and and conversation because it it'll just happen by walking into the panel and say, No, I don't like it. Everything have reason. And you know everything have reason, and once you understand the language that the 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 arranger speaking, and you are trying to execute that language, it's be easier. And I can even give you, I think it was Hello Self, one of these skiffle songs. I remember um, semi final night, Kendall's face was strong, was not pleased at all. So. We reached young, we were practicing in a car park, semi-finals there, and we were there. And Kendall was just leaning up on this wall, rolling like he in pain. <laughs> I've seen that and one too. I've seen, I know that looked very well. <laughs> I, did, I did not know the look. Uh-huh. I did not know what it meant. Mm-hmm. I was explained, but that is when Kendall is not happy. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, I was questioning my ability. Mm. And I was trying to reach out to Kendall. And Kendall was like, this is not how the band is supposed to song. Kendall, is there any part in particular you're talking about? What are you speaking about? And he just did ruling. I am not hearing, and I am not hearing, and I'm not hearing. I say, why are you not hearing? And he explained. And all it took was a decision to rearrange mm. how the band was set up. But at that time, and I started to rearrange the band. I was, I, I got questions, and I said, "Listen, we need to understand that this work is about what the arrangers want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's about how the band look. It's how the band song. Mm. So I understand that you are not Ben Jackson. You may want to say that you are not from Trinidad." Don't say them things. You have to stand your ground. I stood uh, ground, and then Kendall stopped rule. The pain automatically left, and he got a smile on his face, mm-hmm. and he said, this is what 
I wanted to hear. And that was one of my biggest lessons working with Kendall Williams. Well, he was in pain. What you're describing, and, and I, I appreciate your words of encouragement for me personally. Um, you know, this this is something, it's just like lifting weights. Like you don't start off bench pressing 340 pounds. You got to start off with the two pound plates and just do that a thousand times and then bump it up to 10 pounds and then, to, you know. And for me, I feel like, you know, I can bench press a little more than I used to five years ago, six years ago, but I'm, I'm getting there. And I think the, I just thank you for, for that. I, I will do, I'm, I'm going to work on that better as I get down, as I, as I do this more. Um, but what you're describing sounds very much, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, there's that, there's a type of bird that lives or will, will go inside of an alligator's mouth and just clean the teeth. And the alligator could easily just kill that bird. But if the bird, if it does, the, the alligator will die of teeth decay. You know, like, so there's this very delicate thing that's happening, and it's all in balance with each other. And what you saw was Kendall just about to snap down and kill something, and you were like, "Hold on a second, let me clean your teeth a bit." And this, trust me here. And so anyway, it's just it, everything's lighting up for me here. And, and you know, I stopped by I, I stopped by um, Supernovas when you guys were drilling in the on the you know right before you get on the drag and 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 moved onto the the stage this year. I was struck by there's a moment. Um, like I, I know I remember the moments of diminuendo that you were talking about, but there was a moment where the band stops and just seemed to restart out of nowhere. Like there wasn't, a, there was no cowbell, there was nothing. It was just like boom, and you just sort of blinked, and the whole band started up again. And I sort of like, yes, I saw your legacy in terms of the experience you have of, of like, man, he has a tool toolkit here that I don't have that I'm I I I really admire. Also, you're working with an arranger who also comes from a deep legacy of of a very specific approach to rehearsing and running a band in Jit Samaru with Renegades. Um, I'm curious from your standpoint, like, what was your what, what's unique about working with Amrit? I mean, he's a young guy, but he he has he grew up in a house where one of the OGs of the field, what the one at the top of our field was was constantly doing his work, and I'm curious for you, like. What are the similarities between him and Jit, and what are the differences? What do you see him doing new um, with Pan that Jit maybe didn't or wasn't able to do? That is difficult to speak about because I never worked with Jit for a Panorama. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate that Jit came to success with it um, and do a song, one of his commercials for us, mm-hmm. for when we were going to Toronto. Um, but I could... Um, just even just to go back to the point and make a supernova with the stop with the clean stuff and mm-hmm. this is where um in the quest to get perfection new things are also created. What happened? I was drilling this part of the song because right where the stop was, the part after was supposed to be soft. In the pan world, there are a lot of people, the soft is on the fifth bar, mm-hmm. by the second beat in the fourth bar, they don't try to get soft already because they're frightened that they will play too loud in the fifth bar. Mm-hmm. So working on this to keep them playing the whole part before loud, I had them stopping on the note just before the soft part. Mm-hmm. And I'm with Walker behind me. Um, I like that thing. I say, we're like, I like when you start stopping there. Let me leave our stop right in. I say, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, let me leave our stop for two beat or something, right, right. Here. So I kind of ignore him and keep drilling the parts. 
And they keep stopping at that point. And then now, accounting for now, for them to come and play these parts so often now. And that is how that happened. It happened in rehearsal. Amri didn't set out for that. I did not set out for that. Amri just sit, was sitting down in the back of me. And he, when the first episode was done, he walked up behind my back and he said, I like that, let me keep that. Mm -hmm. And then we started now to start to work it in. Mm -hmm. And because we put the stop now, we remove the crescendo into the minute because after that long stop, the start soft would have been a little more challenging. And a song like we lost, so we come in loud and we come in the minute and whatnot. Working with Amrit, growing up in that house with that legacy, it's very hard on him mm, because the and the public is making it any easier for him. And I always say that sometimes we are our own downfall when we do like to, when we do support um, ways correct. Because if my father is a great jet samaru, and I am arranging like my father and putting my own style to it and, and, and developing and coming up, I should not be criticized. But I should be praised for trying to continue to keep my father legacy. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, Jit didn't win his first um, 10 panoramas. But in 15 years, he won nine. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so he is constantly being criticized yeah. for his work as his father. But people who do the things that his father, let me say that his father bought to the forefront people who, who constantly use it they have been praised for doing things mm -hmm. um if you listen to renegades back then the kind of phrases just used to use that and whatnot who, who who created the cello solos where 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 what's one of the first band we actually hear out where you say look forward to hearing the cello solo in the panorama Right, somebody might come and tell me no jet was in the first. Okay, well, you know, tell me. Mm -hmm. Um plenty notes on a ten pan run the jet five hundred, but you know, talk about pan in a minor. And then a bass solo. Um <laughs> every part is a frontline part in Pan and A minor with jet with jet. I mean every part is equal. <laughs> right. <laughs> orchestration is his orchestration is totally different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um Amrit tries to, to continue with that orchestration and that style, but he's being, you know, thrown the bus for it. Um, so, and then, then, then he put himself under a lot of pressure also, because that comes with some kind of pressure. Being the son of, being the son of anybody great and you want to go in that field, you put yourself under that, that, that microscope, under that pressure. Um, but he is working hard towards it he like for example this year when we made that decision you know what one of my strengths is composing my music um we're going back to that and we will do that from now until um we're not going to to give up what we could do and for a substitute for something else we had no problem with nobody playing whatever they want to play or whatever but um we need to see ourselves for who we are. Um, he still man have composers. We are musicians also. You see, the people before us call us 
pan men. Yes, we instrument we play our pan, so we are pan men, but we are musicians because we play music on the pan. And a lot of people like to take away that from us. So let me, what is a musician? So somebody who could sing. A musician is there are people who could compose music. Right, mm-hmm. but they, they they can't really perform or they compose. There are people who could play music, but they cannot compose music. There are people who are very good singers, but they can't write the songs that they sing. Yeah, so you have, you have performers, and you have people behind the scenes who do different who do different things. We are musicians, and once we keep understanding that, the instrument which we play will be further and more recognized in the world. Then we just say that this is how pan is, and this is pan, and this is pan. We play in a musical instrument. We shouldn't limit it. Again, panorama is the heartbeat of our instrument, and panorama will never die. We, we, we have a thing. People just say that panorama does kill pan. I just say it also. But what, how I did my phrase is the focus on panorama is what killing the instrument. Mm-hmm. Because we only focus on panorama. We don't focus on the other things that will help. Um, you talk about the festival. The 21st century coming back. The Ramage. Steel bands doing their own concert. Not everybody will do a classical concert. But steel bands could do their own concert in different form. One of the best steel band concerts I've ever been to is um, Renegade's concert, um, Beyond the Horizon. That was the name of it. That was a lovely concert. It was a different side of the steel band in concert. That was that concert deserves to tour, right? Mm-hmm. But again, who who pushing who pushing that, right? But everybody wants to focus on the pan o rama. Even the people, the supporters here in, in, in Trinidad, they put on a massive concert that is it's very costly. The 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 masses not paying to come to, 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 to see it. And people feel the pain to come panorama. They drag us have more people than the grandstands. Well, Steel is, Bank even yeah. Steel Bank even come down the drag um properly. Everybody quarreling with you for yeah. bringing your pants down the drag. Well this is something that I you know in, in some conversations that I've I've been privy to in, in the in the pan scene specific to New York City. Um, like Brooklyn, in Brooklyn and Crown Heights, and not just Brooklyn Crown Heights, Philadelphia. There's other bands in New Jersey. Like the the word panorama, I'm finding now is is a, is kind of a hindrance. Like because panorama is a tri- uniquely Trinidadian thing, and a version of panorama existed in New York. But what is happening now is what you're describing. There's like many different bands that are all doing completely different things. Rados, massive panorama band. Peso. Smaller band, Steel Sensation, doing different things. Unison is sort of a small combo now with a bass player. Like, and I find it all uniquely New York. Like, and I'm really trying to sort of, my, in my own personal uh, lexicon, cleave out the word panorama and stop using that in, in New York because it it's it it trips people up. It puts them in the mindset of like, well, you got to have 120 players or it's not panorama. It's like, well, yeah, but then Unison Steel's never going to play. Is that what we want? You know, like, sure. is, is that what we're going for? And I, for me personally, that I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's like to focus on that word, let it be what it is, but also is what, what can we do new with it? Um, 
there's no question there. That was just a reaction to what you were saying. Yeah. Um, I, uh, Ben, I, I want to, I, I've already robbed you of an hour and 15 minutes of your time. So I want to wrap up here and, and it's, and, all, it's all good. And what you mm-hmm. said, I feel like is a beautiful way to end. Um, but I want to sort of something that one of the very first things that you said to me was your, the sense of, I don't want to say fear, but like awareness that you were, Oh wow. I, I'm, I've been in one situation my whole life and now I'm in Toronto and I'm around the, all these other people who see the world differently than me. Um, I had that same experience as a young kid. Oh, I'm losing you. Oh, you're muted. I think. Yeah, there you are. There you are. Yeah, I lost here. The phone had the ring okay. all the time. It's all, good, all, good, all good. Um, you know, you the very first thing you said to me was your your experience of sort of being aware that where you had been your whole life was just one part of this whole thing of being a musician, like being in Toronto and realizing. Um, oh, did I lose you again? Hello? You got me? Yeah, man. Josh, right. sorry about that. Um, I've got you on the phone. Ah. So it's um, all in a sudden, and also they get calls. Oh, no, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll try to make uh, this quick. Or are you getting a- Just now, give me, give me one second. Okay. So you, you won't have much editing to do. No problem. Oh, gosh. Hello? Yep. Yeah, sorry about that, Sam. That that was our unscheduled call. I apologize. no, 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 that's okay. That that call that call come earlier as opposed to chill over. I normally finish three o'clock, they finish very early today. 
All right. Well, let me let me. Um, I'll start from the top again, and we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. But Ben, uh, you know, the very first thing you said to me. Whoop. Where'd you go? There you are. I'm right there. Okay. Sorry. The very first thing you said to me was, you know, your awareness of um, some of your own deficiencies and sort of not just culturally, but musically and and all those things going to Toronto. Um, I had that same experience as a 21 year old going to Trinidad. I had that experience as a high school kid meeting Cliff. Um, And there's been a lot of stuff in the air just the last three years while we've all been locked down where people are sort of really hesitant to engage with other cultures out of what they claim to be a, a, a sense of respect. And I, I totally understand the intent, but I see it as a sense of fear rather than respect. And I really am grateful for the people in my life who have pushed me into those worlds because there's nothing to be afraid of. And I'm curious if you can just sort of, to tie it back to what you said in the beginning, like what advice do you have for any young Trinidadian student or any young kid any young josh quillen in ohio that's seeing a steel band for the first time and has no idea what he's looking at what is your sort of like what's the ethos or motto that that person should be thinking as they are as they're as they're encountering things that make them insecure and and afraid of of moving forward fear is in your mind put put your best foot forward to it um failure is another option um, a, a lot of us is the, you, you only fail when you then make an attempt. Um, as an educator myself, um, they always tell us, don't ever give a student zero, even if we have all the questions wrong. Zero is for the person who, who wasn't there, who didn't show up. And once you, you, you are determined, take everything as a learning experience. You won't learn everything one time and at the same place. Mm-hmm. You, you have to, to go on. There's a reason why you have different level of education. Right? And um, you won't learn, the things that you learn in school is to, to apply at the workplace, but it's at the workplace is where you will understand the work. Mm. Right? And don't do be afraid to experiment because... Um, my thing with, with drilling, I just tell my players, I end up playing pan by accident. I went to drop a message in the pan yard. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was fearful of picking up the guy pan sticks, although I knew him because we hear all these stories, you can't go in pan and touch a pan, you can get tap up. <laughs> I was fearful, yeah. but I did pick up the stick, and that is what has me where I am mm-hmm. today, almost 40 years later. So have no fear. Uh, it's, it's just part of your learning cycle. I came from a, a place where, and I started to play pan, people will always say, but the great books, the sharp can read music and this and that, but I cannot do what the great books, the sharp could do. Mm-hmm. So I need to, to learn to do something else. Mm-hmm. All right? The great books, the sharp is the great books, the sharp. He could play any of those instruments that he put his hand on and be great at it. I need to add something to it. And, if I add learning to read, and I'm not the best reader, I, I may take a while to understand a score, but I dedicate myself to doing it, and there's much more I could learn in it. Um, I am no longer fearful of it. I am no longer fearful of it. I understand, and it's only because I see where the system is where it is. Coming into to, to Trinidad to play, do be fearful. Bring what you have. You, the most could happen is that they will learn something new 
to better what you already know. And that's just what it is. Ben, I wish we could put all of that on a t-shirt and just make every student wear it because um, it's just <laughs> beautiful words of advice. And and I got to say, um, I consider you the great Ben Jackson in the drilling world. And I, I one of my dreams, um, yes, I've gotten to work with Bugsy, um, not not as a driller, but as a player. I've, I've hung with Liam Teague. I've worked with Victor Provost. I've, I, know, I met Ray Holman also when I was in high school. Like, But my dream moving forward is if I ever get a tra- chance to, to drill a band as your assistant with you and just sort of shadow you, I would, I would give my left leg for that to happen. Um, and so, you know, maybe it won't happen, but it's on my bucket list. And, uh, and I just am super grateful for your time today and your energy in the pan world. Well, another cut you make it, make it happen, man. Suey Village. All right. <laughs> Well, to be based in Aruka, I I will be committed to there for a very for for a long time. Um, yeah, can make it happen. I also drill for Liam too. I yeah. forgot that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I really appreciate your time today, Ben. And I, I I next time I'm in Trinidad, I want to give you a big old hug and thank you in person for taking the time today. Um, and if you ever need anything from me or you want to come back on the podcast and talk about whatever you want to talk about, um, you just let me know and we'll set it up. All right. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Um. I was kind of shy away from, from these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you asked publicly. <laughs> so I didn't want to look like the, the um, Grinch at Soul Christmas. <laughs> so I messaged you privately on this. And I, I will remain available for anyone, for you, if you have any other questions. Or anything else you want to talk about? Because I know we didn't talk much about drilling. One thing segue to our next. And yeah, yeah. Because it, it, it's so much, you know, really, we could, we could talk about... Um, if ever you feel that you need that, you know, you want to put me live in front of your students, I'll, I'll make myself available. I would love that very much. And just to take your own advice, the idea that you were shy to talk to me or afraid to talk to me on a podcast is like, Ben, I, this, was, this was manna from heaven for me to, to, to get to hear your voice and, and to hear your thoughts on the world and, and everything. So thank you for, for pushing through that shyness and, and doing it. Um, and I'm sorry for putting you on the spot publicly. That wasn't my intention. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I was kind of shy from it. I'm not shy to do it, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. You, you, you need to work with, with, with people to, to get things done. Yes. Just let me know when you're in it. And... Will do. Will do. All right, Ben, thank you so much. Stay healthy, stay safe, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon, all right? Yeah, man, same to you, my brother. All right, take it easy. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Liquid Drum, liquiddrum.com down in Waco, Texas. Uh, My good friend Todd Meehan runs an amazing percussion company down there. Great merch, great content. Check him out, liquiddrum.com. Also, Kyle Dunleavy, dunleavypans.com, D-U-N-L-E-A-V-Y pans.com. Kyle Dunleavy makes and builds all the steel drums that I perform and teach on uh, in so percussion as well as at NYU and Princeton. Uh, he's an amazing, amazing tuner builder, um, just a really nice guy, very dependable. Check him out. If you are interested at all in steel pan advocacy, uh, want to learn more about the goings-on uh, in Pan in Brooklyn, check out paninmotion.com. My good friend Kendall Williams, uh, Jerry Guy, Trisha Guy, and uh, Arisha John run an amazing organization called paninmotion.com. Check them out. And finally, Aliandre Mirage runs an amazing uh, clothing apparel company in Brooklyn that is steel pan-centric. You can check him out at mangochow, C-H-O-W, clothing.com. 
I own a bunch of his shirts. They're amazing, very stylish, uh, beautiful, beautifully made. Check them out. MangoChowClothing.com. Okay, hope you're well. Talk to you soon. Bye.